Now the uh, scripture that I'm going to do today is uh, is one I've really come to <coughs> really come to love over the years, and I want to go ahead and take a look at the uh, at, at our scripture um, at the beginning of the of the sermon here, and then we'll come back and uh, kind of discuss it a little bit and talk about the theme that we're going to uh, <coughs> that we're going to get into today. But the scripture come in, comes out of Romans chapter 12, and it's verses. One and two. Romans is a it's a unique book. It's a fun book, um, but pretty much it's it's divided into two parts. So the first half of the book of Romans is all about theology and and, and uh, Christian doctrine and that kind of stuff, and then the second uh, portion of, of Romans is all about it's pretty much all about instructions, instructions for the church, and this is one that just really pops. It really really stands out. It's such such a great chapter. But I'm just going to do the first couple of verses. So starting uh, Romans chapter 12, starting verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. And uh, if, if this seems somewhat vaguely familiar to you, it may be because we, we actually discussed these two portions, these two verses of Scripture about a year ago, back in September of 2021. But we never really got into verse 2. We Pretty much spent that entire that entire Sunday just talking about verse one. So let me give you kind of a, a real quick recap of what we talked about from verse one. Verse one just kind of reminds us, you know, um, that Christianity and how we practice our Christianity is not about us. Offer your bodies as a living and a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. At its very heart, Christianity is not about us, folks, and we like to make it about us so, so very much. Christianity is about who it's named for. Christianity is about Christ. Christianity is about Jesus. Christianity is about God. Christianity is about the Holy Spirit. Christianity is about serving others, offering ourselves. That word bodies means everything. It means our emotions. It means our daily activities. It means our hearts. It means, like you've heard me talk about, our motivations, our intentions, everything that we are. That word bodies encompasses everything, not just our literal physical body, but our mind and our spirit. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God, seeking God's will, seeking to become like Jesus, which we're really going to get into today, seeking the betterment of others, seeking to serve others sacrificially, being living sacrifices. I love that term. That's such a great term. Something else I've heard one time is the problem with living sacrifices is that we like to get off the altar. Y'all will get that when you get home. <laughs> we like to jump off the altar, in other words. We like to go the other way. We forget about our duty as, as, as being sac living sacrificial lives. We like to jump up. We like to get off of that. Christianity is about sacrificial love. It's about sacrificial love for God and our neighbors. And y'all know that if you come to Bemis, that is a major theme 
talk about here at BMSUMC. It's about denying our wills. It's about denying our desires. It's about denying our own selfish pursuits by learning to open ourselves and to yield ourselves to the work of God that he wants to do inside of us. God, Verse 1, again, as we discussed uh, back a year ago, is all about not just sacrificial thinking, but sacrificial living. Living where we are not the center of attention, and that's a hard thing to do in a society that tells us that we are such. We talked a little bit about that this morning in our Sunday school class. We're not the center of attention. Christianity goes against the grain of what our society tells us. It's not about looking out for number one. It's about looking out for the other guy. Sacrificial living, where we take a back seat with our desires. We take a back seat and we put God first. We put other people first. Other people and God take first place in our hearts. So I've really come to love this 12th chapter again, like I mentioned in the, in the beginning, this 12th chapter of the book of Romans. It's come to mean a lot to me last several years. Important to remember, folks, that, that all of these books, most of these books that we read in the New Testament anyway, especially Paul's, Paul's letters, these are not written to individuals. Okay? And I know that when we read the Bible, when we, when we personally, when we sit down by ourselves and we start to read the Bible, we think that everything in the Bible is written directly to us as individuals. There's certainly individual applications in the Bible. And you can, everything that we're going to read today, you can certainly apply it individually. But the book of Romans, and most of Paul's, all of Paul's letters anyway, most of them, are written to churches. They're not written to individual people. They're written to churches. So although we can certainly apply this scripture to our individual lives, this scripture is written to the larger body of Christ. This, Christian, this, 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 this is meant to everybody. This is meant to be heard and meant to be applied by everybody. The church, this is what the church is supposed to look like. And we're not even going to, we're, we're just skimming the surface of Romans 12 this morning. But the entire chapter of Romans 12 lays out this beautiful picture of what the church should and is supposed to look like. Not just in our individual behaviors, but we should collectively be looking like Jesus. Not just one or two of us scattered here and there. Collectively, our churches, Bemis United Methodist, and every church that expands across the globe, what we call the universal body of Christ, we should collectively be looking like this. And Romans 12 is just, again, one of those beautiful portions of the Bible, one of those beautiful portions of Scripture that really lays out in no uncertain terms what we, as the body of Christ, are supposed to look like we're supposed to look like Christ. And something else that you're going to notice about Romans 12, and we may go into this more in the future, but if, but if you do happen to read it on your own, something you're going to pick up on probably is there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of parallels between what you read, what Paul writes about how we should look as Christians, how we should operate in Romans 12. A lot of similarities in what he writes there and what we read from the words of Jesus in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 seven. There's a lot of reflection there. That's, that's really cool. It's almost as if like God is maybe trying to tell us something here. But what, we're gonna look, what, what I really want to look at today is, is, is verse 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Letting go of the patterns of this world, as Paul describes it here, being transformed. And y'all know I love to talk about this. Being transformed from the inside out by the renewal of my minds is all about what you guys oftentimes hear me refer to as spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is really, let me give you a definition, best definition I can give to you if I've, if I've never done this before. But spiritual formation really is most easily defined as the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for two reasons, for the glory of God and for the sake of other people. That's all I mean when I'm talking about spiritual formation. And we'll get into some more detail. But let me repeat that. Spiritual formation is most easily defined as the process of being conformed into the mind, into the image of Christ. Two reasons. For the glory of God and for the sake of other people. Remember who we are as Christians. Remember what Christianity is all about. Not me. God and you guys. God and other people. The focus of spiritual formation the, 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 uh, the, 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 who helps us to carry this out is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides every, every step of the way as we are being formed spiritually, as we're being more and more conformed to the image of Christ. He guides our ongoing, our lifelong journey towards Christ's likeness. And we learn to listen to the promptings of the Spirit through various means. What we call, and what you guys have heard me refer to, is the means of grace. Listen to the Holy Spirit through prayer. We listen to the Holy Spirit through scripture study. We listen to the Holy Spirit through gathering together uh, to worship. You listen to the Holy Spirit, hopefully, through some words that I, that I might say from time to time. We listen to the Holy Spirit through meditation. We listen to the Holy Spirit as we gather, to, gather together as communities. All of these spiritual disciplines, all of these spiritual practices that we have at our disposal. And we learn, during those things, through those gifts that God has given us, we learn how to submit our wills to God. We learn how to submit our wills to God through the Spirit's work that He's doing inside of us. So when we do that, when we're able to do that, when we're able to learn to submit to God's will, we are being formed spiritually. Our minds and our hearts are being renewed. And they're being reoriented. That's the important part. We're being reoriented away from these things that drive worldly obsessions, worldly motivations, and they're being moved towards those things that drive us as Christians to image and being molded into the image of Christ. They're pushing us away from sin, and they're pushing us away from self-seeking. They're pushing us away from selfishness, self-centered desires and mindsets to lifestyles of sacrificial love that I talked about there in the beginning. <clears throat> Another very, very closely, this closely related word to uh, spiritual formation is this idea of sanctification. And that's a, that's a big church word. And that's one that I want to break down today. That's primarily what I want to talk about today is this idea of sanctification because it's a word that we use in the church a lot, but a lot of us don't even really know what that means. It's just, it's just one, of those, one, of those, one of those words we've heard our whole lives that really carries no meaning to it, no weight to it. I want to give it some weight this morning for everybody. It's not a word that we're going to use in our everyday dialogue, but I want you guys to understand it because I want it to have meaning for us because it does have so much meaning. Again, these are kind of two sides of the same coin. 
spiritual formation and sanctification. You find those words throughout the Bible. Sanctification, sanctify, they're all biblical words. And they're mentioned frequently as a calling to align ourselves to God's will. Just like our scripture talked about today. To align ourselves with the will of God. To cleanse us from sin. Sanctification is the process. In other words, of becoming more like Christ. That's all it is. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. By purifying our hearts, by purifying our minds through these things that I talked about, through repentance, through prayer, through submission, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, to be sanctified means to be set apart. It means to be set apart from worldly type thinking. It means to be set apart from the world, period. And our, just as our scripture says today, to be made holy, to be grown deeper in our love for God and for neighbor. First Peter chapter 1 writes about this, talks about sanctification like this. <clears throat> scripture says, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And that's a reference to, uh, to the book of Leviticus, by the way. Holiness, sanctification, spiritual formation. All of this plays the same role. It's all this part of this beautiful, beautiful process, basically of becoming more and more like Christ as we move throughout our lives. It's something that I love about our Methodist tradition. You guys know that I love to talk about our Methodist tradition whenever I get an opportunity to do that. But one of the many, many things that I love about our Methodist tradition is that we have, for 300 years, stressed this idea of sanctification as being a part of not just something that we do, but a part of every fiber of our being. It is absolutely who we are as Christians, first and foremost, but we really, we really stress it in our Methodist theology. Becoming more like Christ and how important that is, how, how big of a part of the gospel that is for us. Becoming more like Christ, putting off our old selves and putting on the mind of Jesus. It's a major part of our belief system. It's a major part of who we are. And in my opinion, it sets us apart, and I'm not bragging, but it sets us apart from a lot of other Christian traditions. Whenever I get a chance to talk about this, I like to talk about this because if there's anybody in the room who's never heard this before, I, I just think it's a message that just needs to be but I think that our stressing of the idea of sanctification, of the idea of spiritual formation, the idea of growing more into Christ's likeness is so, so very important that we have to talk about this because I think there's so many other Christian traditions that we can be influenced by that don't emphasize this. And I think that people suffer because of it. And I think that the kingdom of God suffers because of it. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean, Pastor? You know, again, I don't say this to be boastful. I don't necessarily say this to be critical. But I do think there are certain factions within Christianity that are missing out on this beautiful call that they have to fully embrace what is not an optional, but an essential part of the gospel of Christ. Many, many people, many people I've known over the years, many people I know now, many, many Christian traditions that I'm aware of and that I've been a part of in the past have settled for what y'all have heard me refer to as a half gospel 
or a short-sighted version of salvation. The half gospel offers this. The half gospel offers forgiveness. The half gospel offers reconciliation to God and it offers entry into heaven. But it pretty much stops there. Sanctification, spiritual formation, growing in Christ's likeness in these settings is either minimized or it is tossed aside altogether. It's not seen as being very important or at bare minimum it's at least seen as being not as important as receiving forgiveness and as getting our ticket into heaven when we die. There's a whole lot of problems with this belief system. There's a whole lot, especially the way that we live it out. There's a lot of problems with that belief and that practice. Not the least anything of us. It doesn't really require anything of us other than belief. The commands of Jesus aren't really that important. The commands of Jesus aren't really that essential. And the necessity for spiritual growth, the necessity for sanctification is just something that we can kind of take or leave. It's a Christianity without discipleship. Which is no Christianity at all. full gospel. The gospel that Jesus teaches. The gospel that Paul teaches. The kingdom of God that Jesus preaches about so very often. Offers all of those things I mentioned a second ago. It offers forgiveness. It offers reconciliation to God. It offers an eternity in the presence of our creator. But it's also something that we get to experience here and now. Y'all remember, happen to remember what I prayed earlier when I prayed beginning of the service, I talked about the kingdom of God, you know, and I said this last week, there's a reason, there's a reason that when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, there's a reason that he included that phrase, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not after I die, not after I've lived my life here, not after I've done whatever it is I've wanted to do, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, earth, as it is in heaven. Not in heaven after heaven. On earth. We want to see your kingdom on earth. Pray. Jesus told us to pray to God for that. How do y'all think that happens? It happens through us. We're God's agents. We're God's ambassadors for his kingdom on earth. And we can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that with that propensity that we still have, even though we're saved. That's propensity that we still have towards self and towards self-centeredness and towards lives that are geared to putting me number one and not God and others number one. How do we do that? Spiritual formation, sanctification, seeking God, prayer, meditation, scripture study, community, worshiping together. Figuring out, and I can't give you the answer to this. This is this is this is an individual level. Figuring out how to yield myself to the will of the Holy Spirit that's always pushing me in that direction. And the Holy Spirit is always pushing us in that direction. God wants to see us grow in God likeness. I know that that sounds pretty, you know, duh. But sometimes we gotta remind ourselves of that. Yes, God actually wants to see us grow into Christ's likeness. 
we're to be God's agents on earth, if we are to be the ambassadors that are showing, that are bringing the kingdom of God to earth, what that kingdom looks like, we got to get us out of the way. We've got to put off the ways of the world. We've got to offer our bodies a living sacrifice. And we have to be transformed from the inside out. Only faith to accept it. It offers us that growth. It offers us that growth in the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we treat other people, the way that we love God, and the way that we love people around us, the way that we embody all of those spiritual fruits that you heard me mention first thing during this service. I don't know about you guys, but in my former life, and I still don't get it right, You'll never, ever hear me say that I get this right. But I can tell you one thing. In my former life, it would be a safe bet that Jerry did not live out the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generousness, faithfulness, and self-control. But you know what? I do a little bit better today. And that's not me. I didn't bring that about. Because I don't have that in me to bring that about. God brought that about. And I see it a little bit more and more get a taste of it. And I see a little bit of the kingdom of God on earth in the way that I treat people, the way that I think about people, the way that I see people, the way that I relate to God. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to compare what, how I am now to what I was back then and to see that growth. And that's what sanctification is all about. And I see it in other people too, by the way. I'm, not just, I'm, not, I'm bragging on God up here, y'all. I'm not bragging on myself. I see it in other taking those steps, when they are growing in spiritual formation, when they're growing in sanctification, you can see that they become a little bit more loving. You can see that they become a little more self-controlled. You can see they become a little more kind, a little more generous. You can see that they are bringing the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven, that they are being conformed to it. I got off on a tangent and I've lost my spot on my notes. You know, folks, we, we talk about all this and, you know, becoming like Christ and all this. You got to wonder, maybe maybe that's why in the Bible Christianity was called the way. Did y'all know that? I've talked to you about that before. In the book of Acts, Christianity wasn't called Christianity in the beginning. It was, it, they actually started calling Christians Christians as kind of a, kind of a, uh, kind of a mocking type thing. Oh, you know, those Christians. Christians in the early days referred to themselves as something different. They referred to themselves as the way. Now that sounds like a movement to me. That don't sound like just a belief system. That sounds like a group of folks who were serious about who they are, who they were, and what they wanted to become. That sounds like a doggone lifestyle to me. That sounds like a whole different kind of mentality. A whole different kind of way of being. A whole different kind of way of moving in the world. What do you do? I'm part of the way, man. The way of Christ. That sounds like a doggone movement to me, y'all. I think that's something they grab a hold of. Maybe that's why it was called the way. 
they were serious about this. They were serious about letting go of the ways of the world. They were serious about not conforming, but by they were serious about being transformed to the image of Christ in their mind and their hearts. Sanctification, not conforming to the self-centered ways of the world, but being transformed into the mind of Christ by the renewing of our minds provides us with what Jesus promised when he said that he may come to give us life and that he would come to give us life more abundantly. I don't want to talk about suffering today because it'll take up too much time. You're going to suffer in life, folks. Jesus never promised that we were not going to suffer. We're all going to go through stuff and, and, and life is going to be hard on us. But what he does promise is the best life that we can possibly have here on earth. That abundant life. That abundant life that he so guarantees us. That life of peace in our hearts. That life of peace in our minds. And that life of love that we are able to give out. Church, don't settle for, for a short-sighted or a, or a, or a half-baked version of Christianity. My hope, and y'all know this, y'all know my heart, my hope is that every person here will give themselves fully to this gospel. My hope, my prayer, that everybody in this sanctuary will give fully to all that God wants for you and all that God wants you to become, all that God wants you to reflect of Jesus in your life. And he's always doing this to us. I think I said this a second ago, y'all, but he's always pulling us in that direction. And I probably don't have to tell most of you guys that. Most of y'all don't know that. God's always pulling us towards him. He's always pushing his will towards us, letting us know what his will is. We have the answers a lot of the times. He's nudging us towards sanctification. He's pushing us towards sanctification, towards growth in Christ's likeness all the time. But he's not going to force it on us, folks. And we know that. We get to choose. Am I going to listen to the Holy Spirit? Am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify me, to grow me spiritually, to grow me into Christ's likeness? Or am I going to take my will back in this area? Am I going to keep on going the way that I want to go? Nah, I'm not really, not really ready to let go of that yet, God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that one, whatever that one may be. Or are we willing to fully let go and let God do his thing? Because he's always doing it. He's always doing it. That little small, still small voice that we read about in scripture. We're always feeling that tug in some way, shape, or form. I encourage you guys to uh, y'all know, y'all know if you're part of Venus, you know that I'm that I'm big on pushing spiritual practices. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, and, and again, that's a big part of our Methodist tradition is is uh, really engaging in our spiritual disciplines, really engaging in our spiritual practices. You know, that of course includes our our, our, our personal time with God, our, our individual prayer time with God, our individual times of meditation and studying on Scripture and. Uh, me and me and Sandy Parker, me and Sandy and Parker recently have gotten into uh, doing family devotions together pretty pretty consistently. Uh, so, so and those are those are all great things. Uh, so I encourage you to do those, you know. And and and, and those are expansive. There there are dozens, if not hundreds, of, you know, different disciplines and, and, and uh, uh, practices that you can engage in. Find one that's that's most suited to you. Find one that's most comfortable to you. There's all kinds of practices out there. 
But another thing, y'all, and, and I don't, I'm not doing this to beat nobody up. I promise you, I want to encourage you, <clears throat> and I want you to achieve through God's power, through God's moving, um, everything that he wants you to be able to achieve. Um, but I'm going to say it again, that as much as important as our individual practices are, and as much as I believe we're going to gain from our individual practices and stuff that we do by ourselves with God, biggest growth I would probably even say the most rapid <clears throat> but the most noticeable growth in Christ's likeness always occurs in community always that's why Jesus taught in small groups of disciples that's why historically our tradition had small groups that met together for the purpose of growing each other, and discipling each other. And in like 100 years, that's a short amount of time, 100 years, the Methodist movement was booming. It was the biggest denomination in the United States at one point because of these small little groups that got together and submitted to each other and submitted to the work of Christ, to the work of the Spirit in their lives, that submitted to being sanctified together. I would encourage you guys to do that. If you want to see sanctification, want to see growth and spiritual formation really take off, it always happens best within a group of other people. That's why we have the groups that we have here at the church. If you don't want to be a part of one of these groups, start your own group. There's nothing more that I would love than to have some more teachers and some more facilitators here in our congregation to lead some small groups. If you don't want to be a part of a formal small group here in the church, go grab yourself two or three people who you trust fully and y'all start getting together and start discipling each other. Just ask some basic questions like we do in our small groups. How are you doing in your walk with Jesus? And open up to each other. Where are you struggling? What's Nobody wants to answer this, but you'll grow. What kind of sins are you struggling with? How can I pray for you? How can I help you to get through this? Those types of things. If you want to see some serious growth, that's where it happens. All day long. All day long. So I'm encouraging you guys to do that. Actually, I'm begging you guys to do that. Again, if y'all don't want to be part of one of our, our groups, if you're uncomfortable doing that, go grab somebody or two or three other people that you can really talk to and allow yourself to disciple them and also allow yourself to be discipled by them. If you really, really want to experience that, 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 that awesome, that beautiful um, sanctification that God so wants to give us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our congregation, God. Thank you for the direction that you give us through uh, the Apostle Paul here in Romans 12, the direction that you give us through your Son, Jesus Christ, which is so, so very simple. God, we ask, um, we, just, we just want to become what you want us to become. God, we want to love like Christ. We want to look like Christ. We want to think like Christ. But it's so hard. It's so hard because we are so hard-headed. And there's so much that we want to hang on to in our own lives our own minds, our own ways of being. God, my prayer for myself and my prayer for this congregation, Lord, is that we would truly start to seek you above ourselves, that we would truly start to seek more of you and less of us, as the scripture says, that we would learn and that we would desire more so to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to lose that stuff that blocks us, that prohibits us from growth and sanctification, from growth in Christ's likeness, from being able to